0: is filled with moments, and to help encourage powerful moments with the Lord each and every day, Dr. David Jeremiah has written a new book called Moments with God. This beautiful year-long devotional makes a wonderful companion to your personal Bible study. When you give a generous gift of $120 or more to Turning Point, you'll receive a Moments with God devotional four-pack, one for you and three to share. Donate online at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. When God's love for you can be communicated in a single, amazing Bible verse, it's worth committing it to memory. And chances are, you already have. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah sheds light on John three sixteen, what it says about the scope of God's incredible love and how He demonstrated it. Here's David to introduce today's eye-opening message, God Wrote His Love in Red.
1: Well, friends, I'm going to talk to you about a verse that I'm pretty sure most of you know. You know about it, most of you. Many of you know it by heart. Uh, If you had to write down on a piece of paper what is my favorite Bible verse, I would say this would probably be on more pieces of paper than any other verse. It's the gospel in a short verse, John 3.16. You know, when I was a young boy going to Sunday school, my father was a pastor, and we go to Sunday school, and we go to children's church, and we had a lot of songs that we sang. And there was a song called, For God So Loved the World, He Gave His Only Son. And we used to sing that almost every week, and it just gets embedded in your heart. One of the beauties of getting your children in church and Sunday school is allowing the Scripture to be embedded in their heart. Get it on their hard drive. They're going to need it someday. And that verse and that song has been a part of my life all these years. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, John 3.16. We'll get to it in just a moment. Two days we're going to spend unraveling the incredible meaning of this profound verse. I am so excited uh, that during this month I've been able to tell you about this book written by Nancy DeMoss, Heaven Rules. It's a beautiful gift book from Moody Press, uh, 260 pages profound uh, teaching, lots of footnotes, lots of stories, lots of things you would never think about when you think about the sovereignty of God. And it's a reminder to us in this day when everything seems untethered (laughs) that we're not, that God's in control, that old song, he's got the whole world in his hands is true. And that includes you and me. One of the reasons why I want you to have this book is because it will settle you down. It will calm your heart. It will give you uh, a sense that all is well because God is in control. HR, Heaven Rules. You can get a copy of this beautiful book by sending a gift to Turning Point of any size during the month of January. I mean, any size. Do the best you can. Be as generous as you can. But whatever you can send, whatever you have to give to this project, just do it. And in the process, ask for the book, and we'll send it to you. It's Heaven Rules by Nancy DeMoss. Okay, let's get started with part 1 of God wrote his love in red, John 3:16. If you watch sporting events on television, you've seen John 3:16 in the NFL games, in the NBA games. People write that verse on a card and they sit in the end zone and they hold it up so that when the cameras pan the end zone, you can see John 3:16. I'm sure a lot of folks wonder what that is. Because if you don't know God, if you're not a Christian, you wouldn't have a clue what that means. John three sixteen, as many of you know, is the favorite verse of Tim Tebow. In fact, when he was a collegiate quarterback, he used to wear that verse in the eye black over his eye. Strange thing happened to Tim Tebow after the Denver Broncos playoff victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was discovered that his passing yardage in that historic game was 316 yards. (laughs) The Associated Press reported that he also averaged 31.6 yards per completion. And not everyone understood what this was all about. The religious connotation of John 3.16 escaped them. And so on Monday morning, John 3.16 was the most searched term on Google. And this was not the first time such a thing. It happened with Tebow when he wore the scripture verse on his eye black during the national collegiate championship game, the college game in 2009. The term John 3:16 was reportedly Googled more than 90 million times. What an incredible way to get people to look up John 3:16. Tebow has said this verse is his favorite and everywhere he goes he finds some way to share it. John 3:16 is the most famous verse in the Bible and it is the gist of the whole Bible wrapped up in just 25 words. If all the Bible were to be lost or destroyed except for John 3:16 there would be more than enough information for the entire world to be converted. John 3.16 tells us more about God and his plan for this world than any other scripture to which you could turn. No verse of scripture has been explained as much as John 3.16, and there is no verse of scripture that defies explanation as does that verse. I've noticed that a lot of times when young men begin to start preaching, they grab hold of John 3.16 and they preach it a lot. But if you've been preaching for very long, you discover that's not what you do. G. Campbell Morgan said that this was a verse of scripture he had never attempted to preach on in all the years of his great preaching. He said, I've gone around it and around it, but it has always been too big for me to tackle. When I read it, there's nothing else to say. If we only knew how to read it, we would produce a sense in the ears of our people so that there would be nothing left to preach about. (laughs) And I need to confess that I think it was about, 15 years after I started preaching, I preached on John 3:16 for the first time. I remember thinking, what in the world would I say about this verse? I mean, it's so simple and everybody knows it by heart. What am I gonna add to this truth? And then it was almost as if God was reminding me that my job is not to come up with something great and cute and creative, but my job is to stand up and repeat the simple truth Once again, so that everyone hears it and understands it. Whenever you hear the story of God's love, it strikes a resounding note in your heart because there's something that's in each of us. It's the fact that we've been created in the image of God. There's something that's in each of us that somehow, maybe it's in the distant recesses of our mind, but we know that God loves us. Then when somebody preaches it, it strikes fire with this intuitive thing that God has put within us so here from one verse in the gospel of john the most famous verse in the bible are seven incredible truths about god's love number one god's love is extravagant for god so loved the world when john wrote these words god was considered to be a tyrant driving men to hell even today, heathen religions try to satisfy their gods. Medicine men and witch doctors go through all kinds of incantations in their attempt to placate God. In their minds, God is an angry God who's waiting to punish all mankind and you gotta do something to talk him out of it. And against that backdrop is John three sixteen, which astounds us and reminds us that God is not a tyrant, but God is a God of pure and holy love. And the message of the Bible is not that man can satisfy God, but that Jesus Christ has satisfied God in our behalf and we can put our trust in him. The most significant word in John 3:16 is the little word so. For God so loved the world. In that word are all the agonies of the cross all the suffering that Jesus experienced while he was on earth, God loved us and he loved us in a special way. He so loved us that he did something about that love. How did God love us? He so loved us. It's like you go to somebody that you love today and you say, I love you, I love you so much. Years ago, Don and I had the opportunity to visit London, England for the very first time. And some of the great churches in that city were our determination to visit. And we visited St. Paul's Cathedral and as we left the cathedral that day, in the annex of the cathedral, there was a huge statue of Jesus Christ writhing in anguish on the cross. The look of pain was on his face and the drops of blood on his body. And underneath that statue was a plaque that said this, this is how God loved the world. This is how God loved the world. When we think about the love of God, we cannot forget that the love of God was given to us only in word, but in action. God did not just say, I love you. God said, I love you. And then he did something to prove that he loves us. As he hung on the cross, writhing in agony, God was writing his message of love to us in red. He knew that we were doomed and damned to death because of our sin, and he sent Jesus Christ, and Christ suffered, and he demonstrated the Father's love for you and me. First John 3, one says, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. God's love is extravagant, my friends. God did not just say, I love you, but God said, I so love you. And then he did something to prove it. Romans 5 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is extravagant. And God's love is extensive. For God so loved the world. <laughs> The Apostle John is known as the Apostle of Love. He's the one who called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. How incredible is it to discover that the first time John ever uses the word agape, the New Testament word for love, is right here in John 3.16. He would go on to use that word 35 more times in his gospel, 31 more times in 1 John, a total of 57 times in just the gospel and in 1 John but here in John three sixteen, he uses it for the first time and we're taught to believe that the first use of the word in the New Testament Greek language is to define the word for its use from that point on so here we are told that God so loved the world had you and I been given opportunity to choose someone to love we would not have chosen the world I mean, the extraordinary thing is that such a thing would even come from the lips of a Jewish person. The ancient Hebrews were aristocrats in their day. They did not look at anyone with favor except on fellow Jews, and the Jewish person would look down with proud disdain on every Gentile. We've learned about that in our Bible studies. But here is Jesus, a Jew, declaring that God loves everyone. God loves the lovable and the unlovable He loves those who know him and those who don't know him. He loves them from every tribe and nation in the entire globe. God loves the whole world. One of the reasons why we are so committed to missions is because we believe God has called us to express his heart to the world. What is the heart of God? He loves the world. Missions is simply our way of taking the love of God in every possible, imaginable way we can come up with and sharing that with everyone in every corner of the globe, through radio and television and individual missionaries and through the streaming of our services and through books and every way you can think, every imaginable way, what we want to do is we want to stand on the mountaintop and shout, God loves you. He always has and he always will. That is a message for the whole world. If there's anybody in this whole world that does not fit this statement of God's love, then the Bible cannot be true. You may know somebody you think is terrible. You may think, oh, that person, God couldn't love him because God could not love a Hitler or a Stalin or all these people that we know of. God loves the whole world. There's nobody that God does not love. His love is extensive. Now we know that love is different in the ways that we describe it. For instance, I love the United States of America. I'm glad I was born here. I'm excited about being an American, but I have a grandson named Levi. And I love Levi. His brother calls him Leviticus. I don't know why he does that, but his name is (laughs) Levi. Now... For me to say that I love the United States the same way I love Levi would not be true. I love Levi with an emotion in my heart and an intensity in my heart that is not possible for anyone else, anything else. But when God says that he loves the whole world, it is possible for God to love the world and yet at the same time love every individual in the world in the same intimate, personal way that I love my grandson. When the Bible says that God loves the world, it does not differentiate between the two kinds of love I've expressed. God loves each individual in the world as if they were the only person in the world who needed to be loved. God's love is extensive. For God so loved the world. And thirdly, God's love is expensive. It's free to us, but it costs God everything. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God's only begotten son means God's unique son. The word only begotten means unique, means the only one God had. God only had one son, his unique, his only begotten son. The Bible says that Jesus is the image of God and he's the only begotten of the father. And this is a love according to John 3:16 that God demonstrates to us by giving us the most expensive gift he could possibly give. There is nothing else God could have done that would have exceeded the expense of the gift of his own son. He looked around heaven and said, "What shall I do? I need to send this message of love to my creatures." And he put his hand upon his son and said, this will I do, I will send you there to be my message. He sent his only begotten son into this world to pay the price of our sin and to demonstrate his love. Listen to 1 John 4, 9, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us. In that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In other words, in this, God communicated his love to us. In this, his love is communicated to us, is shared with us. In this, he shares his love with us. And how does he do that? He sends his only begotten son into the world. Romans 8.32 says it this way, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? I love that little phrase, almighty God spared not his own son. Someone had given me a little film clip and I watched it and I thought this would be a good way to introduce communion on Sunday and help people understand what it means when the Bible says that God loves us and gave Jesus Christ to be our Savior. It was a film clip, a story of a farming family that made a little money on the side by taking care of the drawbridge for a railway system. On certain days, the father would go to a small little shack, and there he would lower the drawbridge so that the train could pass over. On this particular day in the film, the father got to the little shack. He knew the train was on its way, and as he started to lower the bridge to his horror, he discovered that his little seven-year-old son had climbed up the ties, and he was clear at the top of the track and if he lowered the bridge he was lowering his son and he would be right on the path of the oncoming train the brief film showed the agony of the father as he realized that he was faced with the choice of lowering the bridge for the safety of hundreds of passengers on the train and in the process sacrificing his own son or failing to lower the bridge and sparing his own son. And the film right at that moment went black. And on the bottom of the screen it said, what would you do? And I don't know what I would do. I would hate to ever have been put in a spot like that. But I know what God did. The Bible says God did not spare his own son. He let the tracks come down so the train could go by and you and I were on that train. We were on that train. God did not spare his own son, but he gave him up so that we might be saved. God's love is extravagant. God's love is extensive and it's expensive. But God's love is also expansive. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever might be saved. Richard Baxter used to say that he was glad that God put the word whosoever in John 3, 16. He said, I'm glad he didn't put the word Richard Baxter in there. He said, if he had put Richard Baxter in there, I would be tempted to believe that he loves some other Richard Baxter, some Richard Baxter who was less sinful than I am. But when I read the word whosoever, I realize that it has to include me for that word includes everybody. The Bible says that God loves the world and because of that, whoever believes can receive his love. Each and every person, no matter who they are, where they come from, what language they speak, what color their skin is, what their background is, what they have done or haven't done. The Bible says God loves the whole world and he sent his son to be the savior of the whole world and whoever believes can be saved. It's a hard thing to get that across for some reason. I don't know why. Over the years, I've tried every way to help people understand that whoever includes them. I remember uh, on occasion reading the scripture and putting people's name in it like this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if David Jeremiah would believe, he should not perish, but David Jeremiah could have everlasting life. That's true. But you can put anybody's name in there, anybody you know, anybody that you've heard of, anybody that you think might not even be a candidate for salvation. What this verse says is this, that If you're alive on planet Earth today, you are a candidate for God's love for God. So loved the world that whosoever Might be saved Well, then you say pastor Jeremiah, why isn't everybody saved? Why isn't everybody a Christian? Why doesn't everybody have a free pass to heaven? Because you see God's love is expansive, but it's also exclusive. Here's what I mean whosoever what's the next word? Believes. Four times in these few verses, Jesus uses variations of the word believe, perhaps the most important key word in John's gospel. The love of God will prove useless to everyone who does not believe. You see, God can offer you his love and he offers it to the whole world and to everyone. If there's any gospel that you have heard that doesn't work in any place in the world, it's not the Christian gospel. The Christian gospel is for the whole world, the third world, for our world, for any world. But listen, just because God offers you his love doesn't mean that you get his love. Because in order to get his love, you have to receive it. You have to reach out your hands and take it. If I said, I have tickets to the Padres game, Their next game at home, I have enough tickets for everyone and all you got to do is come up and get it. That would be a genuine offer on my part, but it would only do you any good if you came up here and got your tickets and went to the game. God says, I love the whole world. I love whoever in the world. My love is available. Whoever believes will get my love. So some of you think by just coming to church and hearing about the love of God, that's all you need, then you're wrong. You go to hell knowing about the love of God you go to heaven receiving the love of God The love of God is God's plan of salvation for you And if you will receive that plan if you will believe it if you will accept it You will have it You know at uh, shadow mountain church where i'm the senior pastor we have baptisms just about every sunday and uh When you're baptized at Shadow Mountain, you give a testimony. And often in the testimonies at the end, they will say, and my favorite verse is, and I'll tell you what, John 3.16 wins the contest. It's the favorite verse of so many people. And when you read it and understand it and comprehend what God is saying in that verse, you understand why it's so much at the center of who we are as followers of Christ. We'll have part two of this lesson tomorrow. I hope you'll join us as we continue to talk about how God wrote his love in red. Next week, um, God loves you even when you don't love him. God loves you when he's correcting you, and God's love will never let you go. We continue in this series. God loves you. He always has, and he always will. Once again, let me tell you, there's a book by that title, and it's the origin of this series. It's available from Turning Point. If you go to our website, you can get it. You can order the book. You can order the study guide. You can order the CD or DVD packages and have the whole series. But it's not our resource for the month, believe it or not. Our resource for the month is Heaven Rules by Nancy DeMoss. That one you can get by giving a gift of any size during the month of January. Just ask for it. It'll bless you and help you be
0: a better Christian and walk a straighter path. We'll see you next time right here. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, God Loves You, He Always Has, He Always Will, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Heaven Rules by Nancy demoss Wolgemuth and learn to find comfort and courage in this chaotic world. This powerful book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in several cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue... God loves you, He always has, He always will, here on Turning Point. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel, Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print as well as the English Standard version in standard print for more details or to order your copy go to davidjeremiah.ca/jsb
1: we don't hear much these days about hell i can understand non-christians not talking about something they don't believe in but many christians also seem to avoid the subject The famous London preacher Charles Spurgeon believed in hell and preached about it to his standing room only crowds. He once said, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Hell is a serious subject that demands a serious response from those who profess to believe in it. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover what God says about hell on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.